the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. And because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observations, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. However, I also practice some related fields in my overall consumer and small business financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my reference points, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people of color, including indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military brat and also helped create one with my former spouse, who was in the military also, I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system, especially after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And a big shout out to y'all who get in touch with me. I, I wish you nothing but the best. And I've also shared with you that because I had the great fortune to not only know, but to get to spend a lot of time with and actually became great friends with both my maternal and paternal grandmothers, both of whom survived the great four economic challenges of the 20th century, that is to say the Great Depression, World War II, and the systemic racism and misogyny that I must admit continues through into our society today. But it's out of my 
great love and respect for these women who loved and, and helped raise me and share with me great stories of their grandparents who loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South. It is out of my affection for them, along with my dad, because they all come to me in spirit, urging me on when the situation is right. I am sometimes at least able to attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors and disabled who find themselves the targets of, and unfortunately more and more, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that you could ever imagine that seems to be running rampant in our very greedy society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not these days because of inflation, the lack thereof, and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect and or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your family's or your small business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help. I believe, I really believe this, that you need to have this kind of help if you have a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your assets and or your debts. Now, yes, I want to continue or follow up on the discussion that we started last week on the Base Renaming Commission. And, you know, this is a continuation of Veterans Day. And you guys know how crazy I am about guys in uniform, you know, because I think that they do all that they can to protect us. Now, and and girls, too. Now, we're, last week, I shared with you something that many, if not most Americans, don't know about. And I found out such in this intervening week. And that is the interworkings of how the United States military, in light of the fact that since July 1, 1973, under President Nixon's watch, and for nearly 50 years since, we in America have had a 100% voluntary armed forces regime regime in this country. That means that not one single person who is serving today and therefore putting his or her life at risk to defend our nation was drafted or otherwise compelled to bear arms. To the contrary, they are all volunteers. And even before the draft ended, uh, 100% of the men in my family's and my father's generation selected a military career because they believed it to be the best way to provide a middle-class life for their family in the segregated Jim Crow South. Because, as I believe you might have heard me say on this venue, in the South, in my father's generation, up until my generation, 
educated and otherwise ambitious black men had only three choices open to them if they didn't want to be a sharecropper or own their own farm outright. And that was a whole other list of problems. But they had three choices for the most part if they didn't want to be involved in agriculture. They could either become a teacher and teach in a segregated school system, or they could become a preacher and preach in the most segregated assemblage each Sunday up until today in a church, or they could become a professional soldier, sailor, airman, or maybe a Marine. As such, many black men like my dad and my uncle joined the army when they came of age, thereby carrying on a tradition that dates back to the founding of this country. And even in my generation, my former spouse and my first cousin, Gerald, joined the Army and the Coast Guard, respectively, when they came of age after they graduated. Now, those of you who are regular listeners to this show know that I make it a habit not to name anybody who's not a public figure on this show, and especially not any member of my own family, simply because I believe private people deserve their privacy, even when they reach out to me to comment on this show or give me ideas. But I make an exception when it comes to my first cousin, Gerald, simply because it was he who introduced me to my future (laughs) ex-husband, who was his best friend. (laughs) When I was a sweet and shy and mild-mannered 16-year-old high school senior and Basically not. (laughs) But anyway, I have to have someone to blame. Anyway, I kid both my former spouse and my first cousin, Gerald, because I think them both fine men. And at least one of them has a sense of humor. (laughs) But I have to stir the pot a little bit. Otherwise, we wouldn't have any even fake drama at our holiday get togethers. Now, notwithstanding the Army's full integration under the auspices of President Eisenhower, The year I was born, which also was the year that Brown versus the Board of Education purportedly ended segregation in public schools. Black and brown soldiers and their family had to live with the daily insults of serving on military bases in the United States and other places that were named after Confederate generals who fought to keep us in bondage, including Fort Polk, Louisiana, Fort Benning and Fort Gordon, Georgia, Fort Bragg in North Carolina, Fort A.P. Hill, Fort Lee, and Fort Pickett in Virginia, and Fort Rucker in Alabama, and Fort Hood in Texas. There was also a a base in Louisiana that was named after a um, Confederate general, Camp Beauregard, but inasmuch as it's part of the state of Louisiana's National Guard and not under the jurisdiction of the Army, The commission that was set up to look into these matters did not include it in the list. On October 6, 2022, President Biden, while on his watch, Defense Secretary Lloyd James Austin III, a retired United States Army four-star general, a black man with a storied military career that you can read all about You can Google him or you could go to Wikipedia and look him up, Lloyd-Austin. In his capacity as the defense secretary, he directed the senior defense leaders at the Pentagon 
to begin changing the names of military bases and assets honoring the Confederacy, bringing the Pentagon in line with the recommendations of a congressional commission, the Naming Commission, a group of eight distinguished individuals with direct ties to the United States military and who were nominated by the Biden administration and approved by Congress. And then they convened uh, this process to purge the military of commemorative references to the Confederacy. And it is committed to implementing that renaming process as soon as possible. Actually, uh, there is a a 90-day holding period that ends mid-December, and they have until one year after that to name, rename all of the military assets and purge them of any taint of the Confederacy. Now, when we come back, I'll give you an update, but first we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As I take this additional opportunity to thank all veterans and share a bit of good news for black and brown veterans. No, yeah, I'm going to say all veterans. Because as I shared with you before, there are nine army bases that were named after Confederate generals. And just think about it. If you were a black or brown soldier like, you know, my dad or my uncle or my former spouse or my cousin Gerald or me as a Department of Defense civilian, we know what these names were about. It's like somebody calling you a name every day you had to look up. And so it was like grading on your mind a little bit, like a low-grade fever. Now, the nine bases are all in former Confederate states, And they were named during, not right after the Confederate War, but they were named during the Jim Crow period when blacks and browns started flexing their wings a little bit at the beginning of the um, pre-civil rights movement. And these bases were named between 1910 and 1940. And I'm going to say, with the goal of keeping us blacks in our place, now, these bases and the suggested names, according to Brigadier General Ty Seidel, who was a member of that eight-member commission that picked the names. Again, Fort Bragg is going to become Fort Liberty. And that was Fort Bragg is the home of the 82nd Airborne, and it's going to be named Fort Liberty in honor of a line of the song, uh, We're All Americans and Proud to Be Well, We're Soldiers of Liberty. And my dad was a a member of the 82nd Airborne and taught young men at the time how to jump out of airplanes and survive. And one of the best memories I have from my childhood is my dad took me uh, uh, to uh, the post one day uh, and I got to jump out of this little rig that they first send the guys through to jump down. And then I got to have lunch with his men and they treated me so nice. I never will forget that because it was a time where my dad took me alone and not my older brother. And so it was a time for me and him to do some bonding. 
Another po uh, post that's going to change is Fort Polk, Louisiana to Fort Johnson after Sergeant William Henry Johnson. And he was a member of the All Black Infantry Regiment that later became the 30, 369th Injury Infantry Regiment. And according to the Army, Johnson is known for saving his fellow soldiers after suffering a German grenade attack on May 14, 1918 in France during World War One. And then there's Fort Benning. It's going to become Fort Moore for Lieutenant General Hal Moore and his wife, Julia. Now, they're a couple, a Caucasian couple. And, and they were, um, he was a, a Vietnam era a veteran and war hero who received the Distinguished Cross. And he also helped um, the Army transition to an all-volunteer Army. And his wife... Um, was an advocate for changing the way the Army notified families when service men members were um, injured. They did it by telegraph, which was very um, uh, impersonal. And so um, so by doing, they switched out the telegram notification process to having people go out and talk to people and set up support systems for people whose family members were injured. And you know, Fort Gordon is going to become Fort Eisenhower after former President Dwight Eisenhower. He spent his life serving our nation, beginning when he was a young man by going to West Point in 1911 and 50 years later as President of the United States. And he's also known for his, him and General Patton and the other folks um, commanding and setting up the landing of Normandy on June 6, 1944, which led to the end of World War II in the Europe, European theater. And But I remember him because my older brother and the news told me that he supported little black girls like me. So well, what am I talking about? Well, following the Supreme Court's decision in Brown versus the Board of Education, in 1957, the Federal Court of Appeals approved an integration plan for Little Rock, Arkansas. The school board announced that the integration of that school would begin for the Central High School. And uh, however, on September 2nd, Arkansas Governor Arvel Faba sent the National Guard to surround the school to keep the black students out. And there were riots and stuff by white folks. In response, on September 24, 1957, President Eisenhower ordered federal troops to Little Rock, Arkansas, to enforce the Supreme Court's decision to integrate schools. And the Army escorted those nine uh, high school, African-American high school students for the rest of the year. And do you know that the next year, our uh, Little Rock shut down its entire school system because they thought that would make uh, uh, integration go away. So for a whole year, there was no school. And not like, you know, during COVID when you could at least go in via the internet, there was no school for that whole year. But the very next year, the schools reopened fully desegregated. So I urge you to Google President Eisenhower and the Little Rock Nine, because I've come to the conclusion that maybe history isn't being taught in schools today. I wonder why I have that uh, belief. Anyway, Fort A.P. Hill, as I shared with you last week, is named after Dr. Mary, um, is going to become Fort Walker after Dr. Mary Walker, who 
actually won the Medal of Honor uh, for her work during the Civil War, where she refused to leave her patients and actually ended up in a prisoner war camp, but she took care of her, her patients. Fort Hood, Texas is going to be Fort Corvazas after General Richard Corvazas, who won the Distinguished Service Cross for his for his um, valentry in Korea and the Vietnamese War. Yes, and he also ultimately ended up commanding the Army's Third Corps. And uh, as a young lieutenant, he led his company on three separate charges of enemy positions and put himself in harm's way. But he made sure all of his men got out. Fort Pickett, Virginia is going to become Fort Barfoot, Virginia, after Technical Sergeant Van T. Barfoot, who served in the military for 34 years and did uh, was a hero and did heroic things in Italy during World War II that ended up where he single-handedly captured 17 German prisoners on his own. And then Fort Rucker, Alabama is going to become Fort Norseville after Chief Warrant Officer Michael J. Norseville Sr., who was a Medal of Honor recipient. And um, even though he was severely wounded, he helped rescue a helicopter pilot who was his son. During uh, uh, and he just helped the next generation of Army aviators get well grounded. And then um, there's Fort Lee, Virginia, is going to be named after an African American couple who are both um, in the military, who were both in the military. Although um, uh, Ms. Lieutenant Colonel Charity Adams has passed, her, her general, Lieutenant General Arthur Gregg is still with us today. And Fort Lee is going to become Fort Greg Adams after both of them. And that's because the local community supported them for their work, not only in the military, but their work once they became civilians. He entered the army at age 17 at the end of World War II, and he commanded a logistics unit in war and peace all over the globe. And she joined the army in 1941 and later became the highest ranking female soldier in World War II, where she commanded a postal uh, battalion in Europe between 1944 and 1945. So I just wanted to share that with you. The new forts down south are named after African-Americans, Caucasian-Americans, Native Americans, Latino-Americans, spouses of soldiers, and, 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 and military men and women themselves. And I just think that that's a great reflection on our country. And I, that's why I'm taking the time to reinforce Veterans Day. In addition, there's going to be 758 artifacts that are going to be changed that have any reference to uh, the Civil War, including naval vessels, signage at the United States Military Academy at West Point, um, streets and other artifacts that are in Germany or in Japan. So the Army's going to do a job of getting rid of all these things. Well, I just got to say, uh, I want to give a big shout out and a salute to um, Nancy Pelosi, and I wrote an essay for her back when I said that she should run for president, and I gave three reasons why, three words, because she's a badass, or said another way, she's a monster, 
And we need more badass monsters to vanquish the evil forces in our government. So I just think so highly of uh, Speaker Pelosi, and I wish her and her family Godspeed as they take their new iteration in life. Now, she's going to stay on in, in, in Congress and represent San Francisco and my part of the Bay as well. So I, I look forward to her continued service. So I'm going to leave it there for now, but it always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including paying the long overdue respect to men and women who stand by ready to protect us and our way of life and our constitution. And I include in that group our outgoing, very civilian, high heel wearing Speaker of the House, Mrs. Nancy Pelosi. I thank all of you for your service and I wish you all Godspeed. Bye for now. Take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.